Welcome to the fourth quarter conference call for GWK Investment Management. This call represents the views and opinions of GWK Investment Management and does not constitute investment advice, nor should it be considered predictive of any future market performance. On the call today is Harold Kotler, CEO and Chief Investment Officer, Bill Sterling, Global Strategist, and Jim McCarthy, Partner and Director of Private Client Services. As always, I'll turn it over to Harold for some opening comments. Thank you, Jim. Good morning. So we're in this cycle of rising interest rates, Fed policy shifting, and uh, a government that seems to be at a stalemate. The good news is the market usually likes stalemates in Washington. The bad news is the market doesn't know how to deal with the rising uh, interest rates and Fed policy. And of course, the virus that has hit us again and all the issues that we've talked about every quarter, um, the distribution, the inflation pricing, and the shortages. So we'll get into that. Uh, but my my message is this is a cyclical phenomena in the long-term trend of a healthy economy, much smaller, much lower growth, but yet healthy uh, is uh, one or two years away. So don't lose faith and stick with your investment policies, and we'll talk about it in greater length. Thank you, Harold. Um, I'm going to start off with Bill, uh, just to talk about the U.S. economy. Um, so, Bill, even though the recent, with the Omicron COVID surge we've had, we've continued to see solid economic growth, but also sustained inflation. Um, the labor markets continue to confuse the experts with job creation well below expectations, yet the unemployment rate has fallen below 4% and the participation rate in the labor markets have fallen. Can you start off with a review of the recent U.S. economic environment and our outlook for the first half of 2022? Sure, Jim. Well, you know, certainly 2021 was a strong year for the economy overall. It looks like GDP growth was 5.5% in real terms, and the fourth quarter finished off right in that 5 to 6% range on an annualized uh, basis as well. And as you mentioned, that helped unemployment fall to a current level of 3.9%. Um, the first quarter could be off to a little bit of a slow start because of the Omicron factor, which we saw a little bit in some weak um, retail sales data uh, for December. Um, but uh, it looks like Omicron, which surged um, in recent weeks, is going to fall off just as quickly, and that would set the stage for um, faster growth in the second half of the year, well, even starting in the, the second quarter. Um, so it looks like growth in 2022 could be around 35 to 4% in GDP terms, which is still well above average. A little bit of a drag from the fiscal side with the failure of the Build Back Better bill, but the consumer side looks quite strong with um, balance sheets in great shape, two and a half trillion in excess savings still out there to help the consumer and uh, labor income rising pretty uh, robustly now. So all in all, it looks like it could be another strong year. Of course, you know the inflation um, picture is, is has changed the uh, the Fed outlook. Um, well, with the strength in the economy, the Fed started to, well expected to start raising rates. What's the expectation in the market for um, rate moves for this year and beyond? 
Well, the market's now pricing in the first rate hike of this cycle to occur at the March 16th FOMC meeting, probably a 25 basis point rate hike, followed by three more over the course of the year. So the market's fully pricing in four rate hikes for 2022. Um, it then has a few more in 2023 priced in, but has rates peaking out in the one and three quarters to 2% rate um, thereafter. Thank you. I'm going to move over to uh, what's been really the topic uh, in the markets the last couple of months, inflation. And um, first, I'll go to Harold. Uh, the most recent CPI readings in December showed inflation running at 7% over the last year, and many believe the Fed needs to act quickly. When you dig into the numbers, a large part of the 7% can be tied to energy prices, gasoline, natural gas, and other commodities. Can the Federal Reserve's interest rate moves and tapering have a meaningful impact on these areas? And how do you think inflation plays out over the first part of this year? Well, so the inflation that we're experiencing uh, to me is a very cyclical phenomenon caused by the shortages. And uh, the, the system being clogged at the, at the ports and the shelves being empty and companies uh, taking somewhat advantage of the situation. To me, that's not sustainable. So any rise in commodity prices, I think, is short-lived. I think the inflation is short-lived. And I think to extrapolate any of these trends would be a very bad mistake. I think we have to kind of box these next six months to a year into a phenomena of an extraordinary period that we all know the reasons for out in finite. We've heard it time and time again. And I still go back to my letter of two quarters ago that you have to jump ahead a couple of years and see where we were a few years back pre-COVID. And if you look at where we were pre-COVID and we most likely will be post-COVID, I think this is going to be one of the same. Uh, low inflation, uh, one or two percent economic growth, low interest rates, and a very mature economy, and all this stuff in between uh, is is a trap, I think, and could cause major uh, mistakes if one buys into uh, this trend and expects it to be in existence uh, beyond the next two years. Thanks, Harold. Um, staying on the topic of inflation, I'll, I'll direct this question to Bill. Um, the, another significant component of inflation has been um, rents and housing. We've seen a strong widespread gains in, the re in real estate prices, as well as a spike in rents. As I asked before, can the Fed slow this at all, or are there larger supply and demand issues at play? Well, I think a lot of the buoyancy in housing demand and rental demand has and due to the super low rates on the part of the Fed, because that boosts people's purchasing power um, in terms of what they can afford. And so housing prices have been up. You know, the latest print was, I think, 18% year on year um, in the most recent month. Uh, that in turn pushes people into the rental market if they can't afford uh, those housing prices. And then there's some long term uh, structural forces, uh, the millennial generation. There are 27 million people in the 27 to 32 year age category who are just approaching their peak, um, you know, uh, first home buying age, which happens to be 33 years of age. 
Um, so the demand from the demographic side looks like it's going to be uh, pretty solid. And construction has been much more restrained than it was, say, uh, you know, in the uh, 2005, uh, 2006 period. So I think the outlook for the housing market to stay strong and for that component of inflation to be a little stickier is there. But can the Fed curtail that? Absolutely. By raising rates, they uh, certainly can slow down the housing market. Thanks, I, think we have to, I think we have to look at incrementalism, um, a 50 basis point rise in mortgage rates uh, initially may slow the housing industry. But I, um, I don't, if you extrapolate it, you know, I, the, of course, the fear is always that mortgage rates will become much more expensive. And if that isn't the case, which I don't think it will be, uh, then it's just, you know, the initial reaction to higher interest rates uh, is normal. But where, did, where it settles, I think is very different. And I think the housing, demand for housing is not going to uh, subside for the reasons Bill talks about. Um, final part of the question, and you touched on this a little bit already, Harold, but um, it, if inflation factors persist and, and they out, outpace economic growth over the next, let's say, beyond a year, or beyond that 12-month period, what does it do to the U.S. economy? What does it do to interest rates? You know, where do we end up in a couple of years if that's the case? Well, First of all, I, I have no idea why it would per persist. But if rates, if the Fed raises rates too high and the economy stops, I mean, I think we have to go back that we had a weak economy before COVID. We were just, you know, we inching along at one, one and a half percent. This economy uh, in, inherently isn't that strong. It's pretty mature. Uh, if the Fed overshoots its interest rate uh, increases because the fear of inflation is going to be sustained, then I think we could have uh, stagnation or, or, or recession. I think and the Fed has to be very careful not to overreact to short-term trends. And I suspect they will be. I mean, they, they have to go slow. And maybe it will last more than a year, Jim. Maybe it will last a year and a half. Hey, who the that's not a relevant. The relevancy is that um, that rates should go up very slowly, and uh, as we suggest, maybe the long end, the ten-year, can get to two and a half percent. Anything above three, I think, is way overdone. Never mind the ability or inability to finance the de finance the deficit at those kind of interest rates. So, I mean, it, you, your question has a lot going. And uh, there's a lot to worry about if you think about the Fed overshooting, um, but I suspect they won't, and uh, we'll, we'll have a, a sustainable correction uh, after a rise in interest rates. It will come back down again. Thanks, Harold. Uh, we're going to look globally now. I'm going to ask Bill to comment on international markets and economies. Um, how has Europe dealt with the Omicron wave? What's the outlook for developed markets in 2022? Well, I think the uh, you know global economy pretty much reflected what was happening in the U.S. last year. A very strong year for global growth of close to 6% and widespread expectations that it will be 4 to 4.5% 4 this year 
as well with respect to Europe. Uh, they did have more stringent lockdowns um, in response to both the Delta wave and the Omicron wave than the U.S. So that dampened growth a little more, um, you know, in the last couple of quarters than was the case in the U.S. But it means if Omicron fades, as is widely expected, uh, they could have a bit of a more robust um, recovery. In fact, the forecasts for European growth are that it will exceed the euro area, at least will exceed the U.S. Um, by a bit in um, 2022. Um, the, uh, you know, so I, I think um, hopefully the worst of the, uh, the, the pandemic effect on economies is behind us, and that may be especially visible in Europe's recovery. What about um, for China? I mean, China's had a challenging year, regulation, relations with the U.S., uh, uh, real estate issues, and, and a weak stock market. I mean, is, do we see things shifting there? Are equity valuations attractive? Yeah, well, I think uh, what's interesting about China is a lot of the slowdown they experienced last year was self-inflicted. As you mentioned, um, they actually restrained credit to the real estate industry, so that was a, an engineered slowdown. Um, they're reversing a lot of that tightness. Uh, currently, they've just cut interest rates recently, a few different types of interest rates um, and uh, expectations. Chinese bonds have been rallying on expectations that uh, monetary policy will be eased further over the course of the year. Fiscal policy is also turning more stimulative. So it looks to us as if um, China could actually be positioned for somewhat better growth. The latest uh, growth was 4% year on year in the fourth quarter, but it looks like they could do 5.5% or so this year with the stimulus they're putting in the pipeline. Hopefully the worst of the, the regulatory clampdown is behind us as well. We just saw some interesting news on um, how they regulate the Macau casinos, which is was better than expected, according to our emerging markets team. Thanks, Bill. Um, back to Harold now. Just uh, we've seen we're in the middle of equity of volatile equity market right now, and most of the volatile periods we saw in 2021, um, though they were short lived, they revolved around interest rate movements and the Federal Reserve expectations of raising rates. Do you feel investors overreact um, to what have been small moves in interest rates? Um, and is there a level of short or long-term interest rates where equity and, and bond investors should be concerned? Yes, I think the stock market has overreacted, but it also needs healthy corrections, and they have to find a reason to have a correction psychologically so people can make money on the TV. And so the reason <laughs> to make for this correction is the Fed policy and the fear of uh, rates rising and not knowing to the degree and extent. So I think they are overreacting and therefore I think it's a buying opportunity for smart investing. Uh, as to the bond market, uh, it's an opportunity also uh, as the interest rates rise. The question really was the long end do the shorter and will rise with the Fed policy. Does the long end go up or does the yield curve flatten? And what does that do for bond investing? Uh, that's the job of um, firms like us to try to understand that issue and Fed policy. And there's no, it's not quite sure of what the long end and the short end will do. So I think um, bond people have to be very cautious, but look, to the opportunity that might present itself. 
over the next three, six, nine months. And the stock people can uh, stay disciplined and continue to invest uh, knowing that uh, the economy is not going to fall into a recession and we're in transition from a policy of uh, being uh, overly uh, accommodative to less accommodative. Uh, and I, but I think all markets will handle it well. Thanks, Harold. Um, Bill, can you comment on corporate earnings? Uh, we saw very strong results through the end of last year. Um, we're just kicking off the first earnings season of 2022. I mean, what's the outlook for corporate earnings this year, um, and what are the biggest risks? I think bottom-up analysts are projecting close to 10% earnings growth for this year and um, next year. And we've looked at history in the first year of Fed tightening. Earnings have usually done pretty well because the Fed is tightening because the economy uh, is doing well. Um, so we think that's a reasonable base case expectation that you could get something close to 10% this year. In terms of the risks, uh, there's a lot of focus being paid on what will happen to margins if wages were to accelerate uh, further. That could pre present a little bit of a squeeze on margins. Um, but I think the biggest risk would be if the Fed tightened more than expected and flattened that yield curve further or inverted it. That would probably be less of an issue for 2022 earnings, but it would definitely affect the outlook for 2023. So, uh, you know, that's something we'll have to keep our eyes on. Thanks, Bill. Uh, final question for Harold. Um, major news topic right now, the tensions between Russia and the Ukraine have escalated again uh, with Russia moving troops along the Ukraine border, making demands to the U.S. and NATO. Um, what has led to this recent action? Should we be concerned? I love that question because I love that consideration. So <laughs> my belief is Russia looks at NATO as a military force. That's why NATO was created to offset the Soviet Union. So now all the ex-Soviet provinces are becoming part of NATO. I wonder why Russia is upset with being circumvented um, with uh, NATO countries. And um, of course they're upset. It's, it's, and their response is, well, we'll put uh, troops in Cuba and Venezuela. Would the United States be upset? And one way to stop the Ukraine invasion, if that were to be the case, is to put some U.S. troops in the Ukraine and Russia would never invade. I suspect this this government, U.S. government, doesn't have the strength and the, ten and the tenaciousness to do that. That would stop Russia in its tracks. But Russia really should care about its neighbors. And why are we asking all these countries to join NATO? Why can't they just be neutral? Why are we having? Uh, why are we creating a Cold War environment in Europe? Totally unnecessary. So I'm very critical, uh, not of the Putin, but of the United States or NATO trying to keep on expanding the NATO countries. Um, it's it, it it doesn't make a lot of sense. NATO was created to f offset the Soviet Union. Period. That's why. So now, if all the satellites, the Soviet Union, now part of NATO, <laughs> Russia sits there and says, "Oops." Why me? Why us? So, 
um, there's going to be tension, and um, the United States will probably just do economic policies, which probably won't be significant. And uh, the United States probably won't put troops there, which would be significant. And we'll just have to see it play out. Um, but I just don't know why we 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 play such rough games when not necessary. Thanks, Harold. I want to thank everybody for listening this quarter. This concludes our call. We wish you all a healthy and happy new year. As always, please do not hesitate to reach out with further questions.